We continue in our series. We continue in our series on 2 Timothy. We're going to pick up, cover a little ground we covered last week. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 10, reading through the end of the chapter, verse 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Father, we thank you for this good word for the good news and the outworking of the good news that we have in our text today. We pray that you would use it to transform us, to encourage us, that we might follow Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was in Athens, Greece with a group of college students, um, along with another staff person from Covenant College. And um, we met at uh, the First Evangelical Church of Athens, right at the foot of the Acropolis. And the place where we were staying uh, for the night, for that week, was about 40 minutes away. It was a a pretty good hike. And so um, I and the staff person with me drove uh, that route with uh, the pastor of the church so we could get some time and talk with him. And so that meant that the college students were going to uh, take mass transit uh, back to the place they were staying, which was not a problem. They had a a guide with them, another college student from Greece. His name was Christos, and Christos was going to take them back. And so uh, I got in the car with with Yotis was his name, and we ignorantly and blissfully went back to uh, our accommodations. But unbeknownst... To me, uh, the college students, as college students are wont to do, decided to play a little game. They were going to split up into two groups, and they were going to race back uh, by mass transit to see who could go first. The only problem with that plan is that meant that one of them had the guide who knew how to get back, and the other group did not have the guide with them. Um, And so they took off, and the other group's... uh, philosophy and approach was, we're just going to follow this other group, right? And so they all got on the first bus, and uh, then they got off, and they got on the second bus. And somewhere in this equation, uh, Christos said to the group, okay, we're going to hop on the bus, it's the wrong bus, and then we're going to hop off. And so they did that, and so all the, half of the team that didn't have a guide, the doors closed, and they take off to who knows where, but it's not going uh, back to where we were staying, and so I get to the meeting place, and the first group arrives, and I said, well, where's the rest of the group? And they told me the story, and they thought it was rather funny. And uh, I'm thinking, 
great, you know, we're going to lose, you know, 15 people in Athens, Greece, our first night here. Um, but they're college students and they were resourceful and they eventually showed up, which was good. The moral of the story is you need to stick with the guide who knows what he's doing, right? And so what we have here today in our text is we've got the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul it has, been, uh, has been talking to Timothy. He's been writing to Timothy. He's passing the baton to Timothy. He knows he's going to, to leave. He knows he's, the Lord's going to take him home in the not-too-distant future. And so he's, he's counseling Timothy what to do. And what he's saying to Timothy and he's saying to us is continue to follow Jesus. Jesus is the guide. Now, Jesus doesn't leave us alone. He gives us help. And he gives us leaders that can help that. So our Savior leads us through providing leaders, by providing examples, by providing mentors. 2 Timothy 3.10, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my uh, aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. Now, that may sound like the Apostle Paul is really full of himself, but if you look at what we talked about last week, he is setting this up as a contrast to the false teachers that that preached the bad news, and their lives reflected it. And so what we learned of last week was those who were self-serving, they were lovers of self, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and various other negative uh, descriptions of these bad news teachers. The Apostle Paul is saying, look, Timothy, you know, Timothy went with him on missionary journeys. Uh, Timothy knew him well. He said, take a look at my life, my leadership, my example, use that as an example, and don't use as an example the life and the leadership of these false teachers. They will lead you astray. Follow Jesus as he gives us leaders to help us. Now, I would be, I'm I'm the Obviously, here I'm a pastor and a leader, and so I would be very hesitant to say this uh, because I don't feel like my life necessarily uh, measures up. But I would say what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 uh, holds sway. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so insofar as a leader is imitating uh, the ministry and the work of Jesus Christ you are to see them as somebody that is worthy of imitation. Modeling can be a powerful means of teaching. I've served in two churches as an assistant pastor, and I've learned from each senior pastor uh, some valuable things about ministry and life in the Lord. Um, And that's not just true of watching a designated leader in the church, but that's true of any Christian, a Christian that maybe is a little bit farther along than you are in in this particular area of your life or that particular area of life, you can learn from them as you watch them, as you observe. I've mentioned this before. When I was in high school, one of the real uh, key pivotal learning moments was when I was in youth group and I I witnessed, I observed somebody, uh, a, a, a girl in our youth group 
reaching out to others in youth group. She would go and she would sit down next to them during, there was a real open kind of thing and people would sit on the ground and she would come sit next to a visitor, talk to them for five or 10 minutes, get up, sit next to another visitor, talk to them for five or 10 minutes. And that was a model to the rest of our youth group and it was a model to me and we began doing the same thing and it transformed us from this ingrown youth group to a youth group that was concerned about reaching out to others, welcoming others um, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, Who are you following? Who is leading you? Um, Who's following you? Another high school example, I remember uh, a, a woman, a mom in our church came to me one day and she said, uh, Ronnie, as they would have called me back then, Ronnie, you're, uh, my son, who's a couple years, he was a couple years younger, is watching you. And uh, I thought two things at the time. First of all, I said, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't request uh, to be an example. I don't want to have that responsibility. And the second thing is, what am I doing wrong? Uh, what is it she's implying here? And uh, yet it it made a point, and that is she just wanted me to know that uh, as an older high school student involved in uh, ministry and youth group, um, that people were watching, and I should keep that in mind. Who is it that you're following? Who is it that you're watching? My parents' IQ level increased dramatically the moment we brought our firstborn child home from the hospital, it was like, oh, yes, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, My parents did okay. Uh, Maybe I need to think about how they raised us and gain some uh, insight from their modeling. Your Savior will lead you as you follow those who follow Jesus. And a lot of it is is a modeling in weakness. See, we model the strength of Christ and Christ's sufficiency, not our self-sufficiency. I trust in Jesus. I don't trust in my own goodness. I trust in Jesus' ability, not my ability. I need and trust my Savior. And part of what it means for you to be an example is to trust in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. But you've got to be around people to see and to be seen. The story is told of a, of a young uh, Christian, somebody who came to faith in Christ, and he went over to the house of an older Christian who had been in the faith for many years, and as they were sitting by the fireplace, um, the young Christian said, uh, I don't like organized religion, and uh, can't I just follow Jesus on my own? And at that point, the the older Christian took the tongs out and he, he pulled one of the embers out from the fireplace and he set it there in front of the fireplace and they watched the ember go from this bright red to a, a dull red and then finally an ashen gray. And he made his point. And his point was, as we're around fellow believers in Jesus Christ, people that we can observe and watch we are encouraged in our faith in Jesus Christ to follow after Christ. Your Savior leads you as you follow those who follow Jesus. And sometimes you follow people and you follow leaders right into persecution. 
The Savior leads you safely through persecution. You see, there's a contrast here again that the Apostle Paul is making. Unlike the the false teachers who try to lead you into ease and pleasure, they ultimately end up leading people into slavery. Slavery to the devil. We learned that the last couple of weeks. 2 Timothy 2.26, they are snared by the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Chapter 2, verse, chapter 2 Timothy 3.13, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so true shepherds will lead their sheep as they go through difficulty and even persecution following the cause of Christ for the sake of good news. And so Paul says in verse 11, he speaks of my persecutions, sufferings, what happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Now, why bring up those particular persecutions? Lystra was the hometown of Timothy. Timothy grew up in Lystra. And during Paul's first missionary journey, he was in Lystra, and he uh, was attacked by a mob because of his proclaiming the gospel, and he was stoned. They tried to kill him. He was left for dead, and he got up, and the Lord saved him from that and continued to preach the gospel. That's Timothy's town. Timothy either saw that firsthand or undoubtedly heard of Paul's extreme persecution there in his hometown. And so he's pointing out to Timothy, don't be surprised. This happened to me. And this is going to happen to those who name the name of Jesus Christ and live for him. Open Doors is a ministry that serves persecuted Christians. And this is a February 4th of this year uh, article where they noted an increase in persecution for the cause of Christ in China. One Christian leader from central China shared how the police had shut down all the house churches in the region, warning pastors not to hold any more meetings. Area pastors were placed on probation. They were told to come to the police station every time they received a police call telling them to report on their movements and activities, and police frequently called at random times of the day or night. A pastor by the name of Titus in China has been reaching out to youth and discipling them for many years. In 2017, the Chinese government again outlawed all Christian youth activities. This with a new determination to stop teenagers from coming to faith. Initially, Titus said, I was really frustrated by the government's attempts to shut us down. But recently, I have embraced this as a new season in which God will bring to us those who are truly hungry for him and willing to follow Jesus at any cost. The report goes on to say, in spite of continuous surveillance and the ever-present cloud of suspicion, these leaders reflected an overwhelming sense of joy as they worshiped God. Their smiles, laughter, and determination to lead the church to know Jesus are representative of believers throughout the country who are meeting to determine the next steps in their response to persecution. And so one leader again says, the situation is tense, but we know God is on the move in spite of the restrictions. We held a regional leaders meeting and agreed that when one of us is arrested, another will pick up the work. We also decided to respond to the police respectfully and in love, even if they yell at us or use physical force in attempts to make us surrender 
the names of other believers. So around the world, we find that people are overtly persecuted for the cause of Jesus Christ, the leaders and those who follow the leaders. In our country, we don't face that sort of persecution, but we may face difficulty for the cause of Christ. Again, another uh, time that I remember from childhood, from my youth, when I was out at the beach sharing my faith in Christ, and I said, this is not very cool. I'm not going to look cool to my friends on the beach. And I had, to, I had to decide whether I was willing to do uh, what God had called me to do um, and be ostracized, potentially. Um, from time to time in our society, we have people that are, um, are, are made things difficult, at least, if not persecuted for the cause of Christ. We can think of that cake baker out in Colorado who uh, was willing to bake a cake for anybody but not put something on the cake uh, that violated his conscience, and he uh, received all kinds of difficulty and continues to uh, as a result. It says here that all those who live godly lives for Christ will be persecuted. Jesus Christ said, remember the word that I have said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And so the false teachers will sell us a bill of goods that life will be easy. They promote a Christless Christianity. The easy way is devoid of Christ. The way of persecution for Christ is hard. But Christ is with you all the way. All the way my shepherd leads me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And walking with your Savior through difficulty is far better than walking in ease on your own. And it's only the appearance of ease, because it's the way of slavery to another master, the devil. Jesus is with us through thick and thin. The Apostle Paul says in chapter 3, verse 11, of his persecutions and sufferings, he said, I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Paul was rescued by God. Paul was left for dead. But he rescued him so that he could, again, proclaim the good news. And we look in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in the next chapter, verse 17, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. But he goes on to say this in the very next verse. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. And what Paul means by that is not that Paul is going to be saved from death, but that Paul is going to be saved through death. That God is going to bring him home even through his martyrdom and he will arrive safely with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, look, I've modeled this, I've lived this, don't be surprised, don't give up, don't succumb to the pressure of persecution, keep on believing. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And he learned it from the Apostle Paul. 
But he not only learned it from the Apostle Paul, he learned it from his mother and his grandmother. We learned of that uh, at the very beginning of the book in chapter 1, verse 5, that he learned the faith first from his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. We read in verse 15 and how from childhood or from infancy you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so really just a passing comment, parents, don't underestimate the power of a life lived before your children. Not a perfect life, we can't live a perfect life, not a life of perfection, but a life of trusting in the perfection of Jesus Christ and then watching God work in you, making progress in your life. And your children will take note. They will notice. And as you teach them, the age where people were taught in, um, at this time in uh, the Hebrew faith was at, from the age of five years old and on. And this word for child, sometimes translated infant, is probably much younger than that. So Timothy's mother and grandmother, from the earliest possible time, began to teach and began to model the scriptures that made them wise for him wise for salvation in Jesus Christ. That's an interesting phrase because um, what scriptures did they have? They had what we would call the Old Testament. And so we find that the third way that our Savior leads us is through his word. And that word of Christ is found in both testaments. This word of Christ, which can make us wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. And the whole Bible is one unified story about the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. We trust in our substitute that he did what we could not do. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Some of you will recognize the first quote was from the New Testament. The second quote was from the Old Testament. I'm reminded of uh, Jesus on the way after his resurrection to Emmaus. He's speaking to uh, a, a group of people there who had believed in Jesus and they were wondering about what was going on. And they were talking to Jesus and they didn't recognize Jesus after his resurrection. And they said, we're, we're talking concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. And Jesus goes on to say, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And so Luke goes on to say, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is about what is necessary for salvation in Jesus Christ, how to make you wise for salvation. The New Testament... The Apostle Peter said of Paul's writings in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, that some people twist the writings of the Apostle Paul to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So the Bible speaks of the New Testament and the Old Testament 
as being the very word of God. And this word of God is breathed out by God. Jesus Christ said it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. Jesus Christ speaks the word of Christ in the word, all of the scripture. All of scripture is his word to you to make you wise for salvation. And it's profitable for teaching and reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. Those are two different categories. The first deal with teaching and reproof, the actual communication of the truth. And, and uh, this is true, and this is not true, right? That's part of what we've been learning here in 2 Second, Second Timothy. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, this is the true gospel. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David. He's the king who's risen from the dead. That's part of the gospel. Uh, those false teachers are saying that you missed the resurrection. You missed out. Sorry, guys. This was part of the false teaching here in Ephesus that Paul and Timothy were combating. You have proper teaching. You have false teaching. The Word of God helps you understand which is which. And for correction and training in righteousness, this is the outworking of both good and bad teaching in terms of our practical lives. We're corrected in saying no. Um, the love of money is not consistent with an outworking of the good news of Jesus Christ. What is consistent is not uh, a living to please yourself, but a living to pre please the Lord. And so there is correction and then there's training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. This term man of God is a word, a phrase that's often used in the Old Testament of the, the prophet of God. Um, and it may specifically apply here. He may pointedly be saying, Timothy, don't give up the faith of Jesus Christ. You know who you heard it from. You know it's true. Continue to teach this word. Continue to preach it to yourself because you will be equipped for every good work in presenting the good news of Jesus Christ. But it's not just true for Timothy. It's not just true of me as a pastor, it's true for all of us, that we are competent, that we are equipped for every good work. We are no longer enslaved, but we are free to good works. And so we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus wherever he leads us. And oftentimes it's not flashy, is it? Uh, it's often not dramatic. We follow where his voice leads us. Uh, let him take you to what is not comfortable knowing that he is your comfort in life. And if you follow your Savior's voice, if you listen to his word, it's not just do, 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 and don't, 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 but it's the voice of your Savior who says, I'm with you, I love you, I sacrificed my life for you. Will you follow Jesus? And you might think, Jesus, I mean, wouldn't it be better if maybe I could attract thousands of people to a big stadium to let them know about Jesus Christ. Or maybe I could get this big record contract, you know, where I can sing and be amazingly popular. Wouldn't that be better for you, Jesus, you know, that I could be able to have that platform or be a successful sports star or, or maybe even just have some big, huge, successful goal in my life achieved that I could, 
you know, I could tell everybody how great you are. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be more appealing? You know, when I was growing up, we used to call those testifonies, right? Testifony, you hear the, some big dramatic story. Um, now, I have to admit, I was a little jaded. Not everybody who is a big sports star, not everybody who is a big music star, not everybody who preaches before thousands uh, gives testifonies. But oftentimes that is the case. The idea is somehow I have to have this big, dramatic, successful story. That's what it means to be a Christian. And if you become a follower in Jesus Christ, then you will have a big, successful story as well. Well, the Apostle Paul didn't say to Timothy, follow me into the limelight. But he said, follow me into the dimly lit dungeon where Jesus is. And so the good news empowers us to forsake a comfortable life, a life of taking, and to follow Jesus into a life of giving. The good news frees us from both the crushing weight of perfectionism and slavery to sin. There's only one who's perfect. We rely on him. And at the same time, as we rely on him, the Spirit of God works in us to make us more like our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. All the way my Savior leads me, says the hymn, what have I to ask beside? In him I will dwell, for I know that whatever befalls me, Jesus doeth all things well. Father, we thank you for the truth that you have sent a Savior, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to call us to be yours, and that he walks with us every step of the way. We thank you for giving us leaders and mentors and teachers and parents uh, to help us in that process, that this is Jesus' way of walking with us. And we thank you uh, for the, the sobering um, but honest teaching that we will go through difficulty for, the faith, for our faith in Jesus Christ and not to be surprised. And we thank you, Father, that along with the persecutions, you give us joy in Christ. We pray that you would give us a resolve that these things are worth it, that persecution for the sake of Christ is worth it, that others may, in fact, know a freedom uh, and a salvation that only can happen through Christ. And we thank you that you speak to us by your word, this word of Christ, this good news in both the Old and the New Testaments that can make us wise for salvation and that can lead us to productive lives, even as we face difficulties and trials and persecutions that you work in and through us, that we might live for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And let us continue to praise our great God with um, the next hymn that is coming up here in just a minute. Rise up, O Church of God. Let's stand and sing together. Amen.